You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Okay. Thank you, Pastor Ben. So appreciate the friendship too. It's really special. Uh, it's been going for a while, and we've got a couple of YWAMs coming to the church, but yeah, it was really uh, love, the love that you have for us, I think, and how you look out for us, uh, see you at the base every now and then, <laughs> meeting with people, but uh, yeah, I really appreciate the friendship. Thank you so much. And great to get to know you too, Michael. Love to hear your story. It's, uh, it's great. I see some similarities there, so we'll have to, we'll have to share notes sometime. That'd be great. But yeah, uh, my name is Ari. Uh, my last name, officially it's Sloats, but that's Dutch. And, you know, Dutch is great. Uh, we have a saying in Holland, if you ain't Dutch, uh, you ain't much. <laughs> but I've, I've realized over the years that only the Dutch believe that. And, uh, and so uh, you are fantastic. And the reality is, you know, there's only one that makes us anything, and it's the same God that we all serve. But yeah, from Holland, uh, but I've been in YWAM for over 20 years, and yeah, with a Faith Community Church, uh, currently with the city campus, I think I've been with Faith Community Church for like 13 years. I don't know how long it was ago we met, but uh, yeah, long journey there, and it's great to be here with you today, so thank you for having me. Um, topic, we're looking at the Holy Spirit. That is the, how would you call that, the, the overall theme for the next number of weeks. And I've been specifically asked to speak on power because I'm just really strong and uh, I know everything about power. But um, a couple of things, you know, what I was thinking, so often when we think about the power of the Holy Spirit, and I'll pray in a moment, but we think about signs, wonders, miraculous stuff happening, and that's all true. They do happen. Uh, there's incredible stories from the nations that you know, we could talk about here for hours about what God has done. But then again, the greatest power that has ever been on display, right, is Jesus rising from the dead and our ability to respond to that and our ability to come into a relationship with God is immeasurable as it relates to power. And uh, very grateful, I think, that we can all be here together and actually, again, be aware and celebrate that, the life of Jesus that is alive in us. And so I just want to pray, and then we'll just get into the message. So Lord Jesus, thank you so much for um, the ability to come together, and we just ask you, Holy Spirit, uh, without you we're nothing, so Holy Spirit, would you come and make this time something? That's what you did. You created something out of nothing, and the same with us today. We pray for your presence and for your word your power to come upon this time. This is not about us. This is about you. And so, Lord, lead us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. And so my topic, Holy Spirit, my power. The Holy Spirit, my power. And scripture um, that I was asked to look at and that will sort of come back every now and then and we're looking at a bunch of other stuff is Romans 15 verse 13. Romans 15, verse 13. Now may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there is hope, definition of hope, a confident expectation for something good to happen. And so we might be in a situation where that's not reality and hope comes, something that we all need as believers and in reality also non-believers. They need hope, right? But a confident expectation that something good is going to be happening. Who places that hope in our hearts? It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to have hope. And so what I'm going to be looking at today, Holy Spirit and power. And as I was praying, the phrase that came to mind is power to change. Power to change. Change in us and also change in the world through us. And so it's always dove. They're inseparable. Uh, God changes me. And through me changes the world around me in whatever capacity that may be. And so we're looking at the Holy Spirit and just had this little thought related to the Holy Spirit. He is a part of the Trinity. And, you know, very often, okay, well, the Holy Spirit came when Jesus left. But the Holy Spirit has always been there. The Trinity has always been the Trinity from eternity past. And so we have the Father, we have the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to give three explanations of maybe a part of their role and their function. Uh, this is not the end-all, be-all. There's so much to say about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So this is by no means going to fully explain everything. But when you look at the Bible and how the Holy Spirit and how the Father and how the Son are sort of described, you have the Father here, and Jesus often talks about him. You know, when they ask him, okay, well, when is the end going to come? And Jesus is like, well, no, not that he is totally without a clue, but he's like, well, actually, that's not up to me. Certain things, they're up to the Father. And so I look at the Father, and I see him a little bit as the chair of the Trinity. It's like he makes the final call. He is the chair. Then you have the Son, who is often referred to as the suffering servant or the servant leader. And so... He's not the Father. He's not the Holy Spirit. He's got a distinct role, a distinct function. But he is the suffering servant, the servant leader. And you see that so beautifully in John 13, right? When he washes the feet of the disciples. And I find as a leader, whew, you know, you read through that, it sort of shows you again what leadership is all about. It's, uh, it's washing the feet of those that are about to walk out of the door to betray you, to deny you, to, you know. And there he goes. He washes the feet of Judas, knowing knowing that he's going to betray him, and he washes his feet. And I think Jesus just gives such a great example of what it means, A, to be a believer, but also what leadership really is all about. And then you have the Holy Spirit, what I call the executive director. So when we're looking at business, the executive director is really the one that runs the show. Yeah, he calls the shots. He tells people what to do, and he empowers them to do it. And so here's the Holy Spirit who came, but was already there, but who came when Jesus left. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to go now, and it's better that I go. And it's interesting when you think about it in that moment, the disciples, better, better that you go. You already left, like dying on a cross, that wasn't too great. And it's better that I go, but it's better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. And the Holy Spirit, right, he leads us and guides us into all truth. But he leads the church today. The Holy Spirit is really the leader of the church he is in every believer, and we'll talk about it in a bit. 
And the Holy Spirit is the one who makes things happen. He is the one who draws people. Yeah, when we look at salvation, really, it's the Holy Spirit drawing people to God. And so the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning. When you look at pre-creation, eternity past, Trinity, it was the Spirit of God who hovered. And then out of nothing, something got created. By the power of God, Holy Spirit is present. When you look at the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit is there. Now there's one or two give a little bit of the difference between Holy Spirit, Old Testament, Holy Spirit, New Testament. I'm going to teach you a new word that should be introduced to the Oxford Dictionary, uh, but most likely uh, will not. Uh, but, you know, by all means, if you feel like it should and you feel like you have any inroads, then go ahead. But the Old Testament talks about the Holy Spirit specifically coming on people. It doesn't really often mention that the Holy Spirit is in people, it comes upon. And that is really the difference, right? When you have the fall, God and man are separated. And so there's no longer that close intimacy. And you see very often God moving through people with the Holy Spirit coming upon them. And I would call that undwelling today. Undwelling is a new word that we are introducing today. Um, And you look at different stories in the Bible. So the first one that we can go to would be in Judges, and, but not so much the story. You know the story, it's, I mean, Judges is a sad book, isn't it? There's a lot of encouragement in it too, but it is a little bit like a, how would we call it, roller coaster? Yeah, it's, uh, it's sad, you know, especially the end. Yeah, that everybody did what was right in their own eyes. Now that is a sad ending, and that's how First Samuel starts off too. But, Here you have Judges 14, and in that particular chapter, we find a gentleman called, here we are, Judges, I for a moment had lost my book, Samson. Now Samson, if I'm counted correctly, I think is either the 12th or the 13th judge. And he gets married to a lady from the Philistines, but God has a plan and purposes in all of it. But you see with Samson's life, even though from the beginning he was set apart as a, as a Nazarene, right? He was not allowed to shave his hair. And I was saying in the first service, you know, I tried to grow my hair and didn't do anything. You really need God in the process. Um, and so here's Samson with long hair, yeah, and he is strong. He is mighty. I mean, you think about some of the things that he did. I think about that story, him walking up to the city and lifting the gates of the city from its foundations and carrying him and putting him somewhere on top of a hill. It's like, I mean, he has strength. He had tremendous strength. And so how did he have strength? And you see this again and again through Judges 14 and also 15, verse 6 of chapter 14. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily. So he was strong. But for specific tasks, the Holy Spirit would come upon him mightily to do something extraordinary or however you want to call that. In verse 19, same thing. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily and he went down to Ascalon and killed 30 of them and took their spoil. And, you know, so often it was the Philistines who were at the receiving end of this incredible might that, uh, that Samson had. 
Samson and the Philistines were in great friends all throughout that journey. And then we get uh, chapter 15, verse 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines shouted, and they met him. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, so that the ropes that were on him, his arms were as flax, and he burned with fire, and his bonds dropped from his hands. And then he found a fresh jawbone, and he went to work. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he was strengthened. And so here's the, the Spirit of the Lord that brings power in the Old Testament. You look at the life of David in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Yeah, not too far after Judges. And we get the story, of course, of the first king of Israel being Saul, who starts off okay, but he sort of loses the plot, right? And at one point, uh, the Spirit of God really departs, but Samuel talks about this aspect to Saul. He said, hey, you know, there's someone greater with a man after God's own heart. And then God sends him to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. And so he goes there, uh, and he's there to anoint a new king. And, you know, seven sons or six sons are brought before him. And he's like, ooh, yeah, that must be him. God's like, uh-uh, that's not him. Next one, uh-uh, next one, uh-uh. Run out of sons. And Samuel's like, what's this? I came here. And he's not here. Pretty sure I heard right from the Lord. Is there anybody else? But that's sort of my paraphrase, right? But then he does say to Jesse, is there anyone, anyone else? And Jesse's like, oh, yeah. This is this kid at the back with the, with the sheep. And so they bring in David. And as soon as David walks in, handsome and ruddy, right? As soon as he walks in, God is like, that's the guy. Anoint him. And so takes out his oil, pours it over David's head. And what does it say in verse 13? Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. That must have been an interesting process. Because when you read about David's life and you go into a bit deeper, David often was excluded. And here is God getting the excluded one and placing him right in the middle. And in front of everybody, he anoints him. Must have been an interesting scene for the family. But the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David. And from that day forward, and Samuel arose and went to Ramah. He'd done his job. But the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that moment onward. And so with Samson, he would come upon him on different occasions when it was needed. With David as king, he anoints him and he empowers him for a specific task for the moment or for the season that he has that task. And so in the Old Testament, very specifically, and there's more stories like this, and we couldn't go through all of them today, but the Holy Spirit comes upon people, comes upon people, leaves this person, comes upon that person, goes from this person, goes on that person. And then you actually come to the New Testament, and there is a word that might be in the Oxford Dictionary, and that is indwelling. Yeah? In the New Testament, the Holy Spirit still came upon people too. When Jesus being one of them. But now with believers, the Holy Spirit comes in people. And he lives in people. He dwells in people. Yeah, and he dwells in people for purposes. Like, I look at my own journey and a big part of that was understanding that I was a child of God. Yeah, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us and something testifies. Right, when you look at Romans chapter 8... Romans chapter 8, verse 16. Here we go, Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It tells us 
that the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And so we have the Holy Spirit and my spirit. They're two different spirits. I'm what? Body, soul, and spirit. You know, ultimately, you know, when you look at it, before we get born again, my spirit is dead. And when the Holy Spirit touches my spirit, my spirit becomes alive. It's a bit like this. Adam and Eve, and this is the spirit of God. And they're connected, and there's life. And what happened in the garden? Adam and Eve sinned, and they got disconnected. Man's spirit, hang limp, dead. God's spirit, still alive, isn't it? And when we get born again, what happens to our dead spirit? It connects with the Holy Spirit and we become alive, born again, right? Born again. And so we become born again and we connect with God and His Spirit. And then we get Romans 6 and it says that the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And that is such a big component of becoming believers, right? That we come into that relationship with God, but we understand that we have a Heavenly Father. And I look at my own journey, right? I grew up in the church and left the church quite determined that I didn't want anything to do with it because of pain and hurt. Yeah, and, you know, the more you look back on it, I don't know, in the beginning of my journey, I would always point the finger and blame people. But as I sort of look more and more at my journey, I recognize that there's some blame here too. I actually wasn't perfect. And but I, there was pain, and this whole idea of God being a father was quite foreign. I mean, I knew it in my head. It's for a lot of people like that, right? It's like, I know that God is love. But to actually have revelation that he actually loves you is a whole different topic. And, and so for me, okay, well, God is my father. That's great. That's wonderful that he is my father. But I had this idea of what father was like. And I remember, so I came to youth with a mission. I was 25. I came as a backpacker to Australia. I come into YWAM. Uh, what I always would say, God tricked me into YWAM, right? He spoke to me without me knowing that it was God, that I was to do a discipleship training school. And I just wanted to do some good things because I felt really guilty. That's a bit like that. Sometimes we want to do good things to deal a bit with the guilt that we carry. And so I come into youth with a mission and I'm in this discipleship training school and God gets a hold of me after four weeks and, uh, and I get born again. And I realized my born again experience came through surrender. Right, I surrendered to God for the first time in my life. I actually gave over my life, what has been a bit of a, a theme through my life, this whole aspect of surrender. But somebody came up to me after a couple of years in YWAM. I was still working through this issue of fatherhood. And somebody comes up to me and said, Ari, I've got the scripture for you. It was in a prayer meeting. I said, ah, oh, you know, the scripture goes, though your father and your mother have forsaken you, the Lord will take you in. The Lord will receive you. And something just connected. And I just remember, next thing, I'm on the floor crying, crying. For the first time I realized that my spirit, his spirit, connected. I belong to God. I'm his, he's mine. It's like I'm adopted. I, ah, you know, the, the, the distinction all of a sudden that God was not like what I thought he was like. And, and so real clear understanding, you know, and the spirit of God comes to testify who we are and and the Spirit of God comes and, and places a deposit in our heart. Yeah, and it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14, you know, guaranteeing of things to come. 
this sense of hope that the Spirit of God brings. And that's where it connects again to Romans 15, verse 13, the scripture for today. Like, hope is placed in a heart through the power of the Spirit. Without, without the Spirit, there's no hope. Without God, there is no hope. And so he guarantees things to come. There's something to live for. There's something to live towards to. And I see this, you know, with the lack in the world. There's not a lot of hope. People very much live in the moment. And if the moment is not good, life is hard. But actually with God and the hope that he places in our hearts, we can actually look forward to the future with anticipation because the spirit has been placed in us as a deposit. It's a little bit like that with the presence and the glory of God. When you look at the Old Testament on-dwelling, New Testament indwelling, the glory of God would come into the tabernacle, right? God had the people of Israel traveling around. You had the tabernacle in the midst and had all these people around it. And the presence of God would come in to the tabernacle, the, the, the glory of God. And everybody would be like, oh, right, everybody would stand. No one would do anything. And then that presence would stay and you had the cloud by day, the fire by night. And everybody knew God was there. The presence of God was there. And they would leave with him and stay. And then you get the temple. Yeah, on the Solomon David had great ideas, but Solomon builds the temple because David had too much blood on his hands. And Solomon builds this temple, and you get this temple dedication. The Shekinah glory comes. The glory of God enters into the temple. Whew, what a moment it must have been, right? It's like the whole scene around it. But the glory of God appears and is there. It's in the midst of the people of Israel. And then you go through the Old Testament, and then you get to this really sad part in Ezekiel, where Ezekiel has this vision. And in his vision, the glory departs. The people of Israel have no longer been walking with God. The glory departs. And from that moment on, it's actually quite a sad process, right? And then the exciting part comes, of course, when Jesus is born. And after eight days, you can read this in Luke chapter 2. After eight days, his parents go to the temple to dedicate him. Right, that's what they're doing is offering. And there's this guy talking about sometimes insignificant, not insignificant, but people in the Bible you don't hear much about. We talked about Barnabas, son of encouragement. You have this gentleman that doesn't say how old he is, but his name is Simeon. Simeon in Luke chapter 2, he has been told by God that he's been waiting for Jesus or for the Messiah or for the salvation or the glory of God to come back. And when Jesus comes into the temple, this is his prophecy. The glory of God has reappeared to Israel. The glory of God comes back in, in human form. And then, of course, Jesus leaves, leaves us the Holy Spirit. And now we are what? The temple of the Holy Spirit that carries the glory of God. That take the glory of God to the nations of the earth, whatever, wherever we go, right? But the glory of God is this Old Testament, New Testament. We're looking at the Holy Spirit, the Spirit on the Spirit in, right? There's this progression. And we're children of God who carry His Spirit in us. Now, why do we carry the Spirit? What is the use of the Spirit? I'm going to look at two components today. Um, it's probably lots to look at because you're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit for a number of weeks to come. But what I felt God laid on my heart was power to change. The Holy Spirit in us, power to change. Me, us, but also through us. It's never just for us. It's inseparable. The Holy Spirit, yes, changes us, but He always changes us also for a purpose. It's not just for me so that I can feel good about being a child of God. Like He wants other people to feel 
they know they are children of God. And so 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. There's quite a number of scriptures from 2 Corinthians today. Great book. The interesting group of people that it was written to as well. But um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says here, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. You ever think about that when you look in the mirror? <laughs> the glory of the Lord are being what? Transformed into the same image. Wow. From glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And so here is the Spirit of God, and the role of the Spirit of God is what? To transform us into His glory from glory to glory. And so we are meant to become like Him and look like Him and, and be people that carry His glory, being transformed into the same image. I love that. Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3, a little bit further on. Verse 14 onwards, Ephesians chapter 3. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So this is a prayer of Paul. When I pray, this is why I pray. From whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his spirit, in the inner man. That you would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up to all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us. And then it goes on, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. And so Paul prays, he bows the knees for this, for this reason, that we may be comprehending the love of God. The love of God in us. Yeah, and so it's the working of God's love in us, understanding. And so the Spirit of God changes us, makes us whole, transforms us into His likeness. And then from then, we also have the Spirit of God working through us. So He works in us for a purpose. And this is just one or two purposes, right? To comprehend the love, to be filled with power, to be transformed into His likeness. But then He also works through us. And the working through us, the power to change the world around us. Not for me, but for the world around us. I mean, you guys do fantastic work as a church. Yeah, well, I think on the 23rd of October, we're going to be doing something together as a church and YWAM and talking about reaching homeless people and evangelism. Man, the need is great. There's so much need in the world around us. And how is God going to reach the world? When the glory that is in me, when the glory that is in you is going to be out there. Be it marketplace, the job that God has given you, be it as a missionary, whatever it is. We carry the glory of God. Isn't that exciting? We carry the glory wherever we go. Can't leave it at home. It's coming with you. 
And God wants to touch people wherever you go with that glory because he wants people to be transformed. And so you go to Acts chapter 1. You will receive power. Yeah, Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Interesting again, of course, you first have verse 6 and the disciples asked Jesus, okay, well, is this now when you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Because that's what they believed. A new king was coming and the only picture that they had was what? Sword, shield, horse, here we go. We're going to take the kingdom back. Israel again. Defeat the Romans. Awesome. This is going to be great. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem on a donkey and everybody gets excited. Next thing, he's dying on the cross. What happened here? What happened to this king that was going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel? But what happened? He rose from the dead. The greatest power ever released. Jesus rising from the dead. And they put their hope in him again after he brings them back in. Because they're all scattered. Aren't we like this sometimes? A bit of discouragement. Ah, I thought this would work. And Jesus comes and brings us back. He comes and brings the disciples back. And they're thinking now, okay, this is going to be it. We are going to do this. Jesus is going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. Is this the time? And he says, oh, not really up to me. <laughs> Here we go again. Somebody else is in charge of that. Not up to me, but in the meantime, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. In other words, you will bring kingdom. I'm not going to bring kingdom. You're going to do it. <laughs> You're going to do the job, but not alone, right? It's the power of the Holy Spirit upon you that is going to help you to do that. He is going to empower you. See, Acts chapter 2, that's really what he's talking about. They're sitting in his room, 500 strong, waiting. Because that's what he says. Wait in Jerusalem. Just wait. Yeah, and it's all going to happen. And so they wait, and finally the day of Pentecost comes, and the Holy Spirit comes. And man, do we get action when the Holy Spirit comes and actually empowers the disciples? They start speaking in languages. They start speaking in different tongues that they'd never learned. And people initially thought they were drunk, but they weren't drunk. They were speaking languages and people were hearing the good news in their own language. And 3,000 people got added that day. And so as it relates, you know, to why does the Spirit of God come upon people? And you read this again and again. is to empower us also to do the job of bringing the good news to the poor. That's what Jesus said about himself. So Acts 4, verse 31. We had a little reading of that before. Acts 4. Verse 31 onwards, a little bit. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken. Didn't the Holy Spirit just show up in tremendous power? Eh? Pentecost here again. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And that's another thing that the Holy Spirit does, right? He brings boldness. He brings courage. Yeah. I remember the first dinky toy message I ever publicly preached was a setup, total setup. I was staffing my first discipleship training school, this is way back, and I was the bus driver. I'm driving the bus, and uh, my school leader at the time, he's like, oh, no, Ari, why don't I drive the bus? And so he was driving the bus, but he was leading an open air that we were doing in Northbridge. And we're driving this bus, 
And I'm sitting in it, and he said, okay, I can't park anywhere, but he's leading, right? He was going to preach the message after the open air that we were going to do. So open air, it's like you do dance, you do song, you testimony, just publicly. And he said, well, can you just, just take care of the open air in case I'll be late? And I mean, I shouldn't be this late, but if I'm really late, could you preach the message? <laughs> so here am I, nothing prepared, right? Nothing, because I was going to be just the bus driver. And so here we are. And I don't know if you've ever had this, uh, but this open air is going on. And the bus driver is not back. He's not coming back. And I'm looking at my watch. Oh, okay, two more dances, one more testimony. Okay, one more testimony, one more dance. Oh, and one more dance. Oh, it's like preaching time. And I had to get up. Nothing prepared. And probably too nervous to think about anything to prepare in the time because I'm hoping... My friend, school leader, is showing up, but he's not showing up. You know when he showed up? When I just started preaching. <laughs> I feel like he was waiting around the corner, watching the whole thing. But here I am. I'm preaching this message. And I have to be honest, right? Probably not one of the best messages I've ever preached. But what I, I opened my mouth and I just felt this sense of boldness. Ah. <gasps> And you know what I did? It unlocked something in my heart. And for a season of time in my missionary journey and evangelism, I loved street preaching. Just loved it. Wherever I would go, go to the city sometimes. And I remember a season of time, God would keep on leading me to the city on, my, on Saturday. You know, God speaking to me, Ari, Saturday is no longer yours. Saturday is mine. It's actually always been mine, but it's time that you really let me have it now. And so here am I. I would go walking, and I was really wanting to God to really strengthen me internally, so I would walk, listen, like I did, if we're going years back now, right? I would listen to a disc man. Disc man, yeah? Would have little disc playing, and I would have the New Testament playing, and I would listen to it, and I would walk reading, like this. Won't encourage you to do it, because I think it's quite dangerous, actually. But I would walk, and I would just walk, and then God would often lead me to the city, and I would talk to people, there's one time he'd get me up and preach in the city. We used to have the preacher stand in the city. I don't know if anybody remembers this, but this guy would facilitate preaching in the city and anybody could get up. And I remember like different time that God just told me, Ari, I want you to go up. And he didn't give me any message. And uh, it was interesting actually. You know, there was a story going on at the time, but there was, there was a Christian guy. Here you have, you know, you can do harm and good as, as the church, right? There's this guy who was preaching, and he was preaching fire and brimstone. And I remember sitting there, like, oh, not sure about this message. But, you know, maybe somebody needs to hear it. And, and then God speaks to me. He said, Arya, I want you to get up after this guy. He's the church. What am I going to say? Hi, I'm Ari, and I'm like, I'm a Christian. That's like, oh, Christian. And I get up, and I basically said, so, hey, Ari, uh, hey, I'm Ari, I'm a Christian. And, uh, and I didn't know what to say. God hadn't given me anything. He just wanted me to get up. And people started booing me because the guy before it, he had been condemning and all sorts of stuff, right? Fire and hell, you're going to hell, this is going to hell. And I get up and people like starting to like being quite negative and said, ah. And God dropped in my heart what I was to say right then and there. See, and this is what I love about God, right? In the moment. He said, Ari, why don't you just ask for forgiveness on behalf of the church? And so I just stood there and said, hey, as behalf of the church, I'm a Christian. I just want to ask you for forgiveness. We've been judgmental. We've been critical. Uh, God is not like that. God has got a love. Yeah, he has morals and he has standards. 
But see, God gives us what we need in a moment, right? And his power comes, I believe, because he wants to reach the world. And so it's his power in us and his power through us. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Why? To preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to the captives. See, and this is about Jesus. Because what's happening in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is handed the scroll when he starts his ministry. He's handed the scroll as we know to be Isaiah 61. He opens it up. And what does he say? This scripture, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do all of that. And he says, this scripture today has gone in fulfillment before you. What is he saying? I am it. Yes, this guy, this carpenter's son is the savior of the world. Thank you very much, right? Not like that quite, but he's pointing to himself. But what enabled Jesus? Power of God. Spirit of the Lord was upon him to do this. And so we have the spirit in us, but also the spirit through us. And as it relates to the spirit in us, I felt God gave me a specific word for you as a church. Um, what also is connected, I think, a little bit to the season that I've been going through. Yeah, I was sharing that earlier today, uh, this morning too, but I, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. Maybe we can just go there together. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. So it talks about the thorn in the flesh, right? So here's Paul, he's got a thorn in his flesh. He's asked three times, please take it away. God is like, uh-uh. Like, actually, my power is made perfect in your weakness. It's there for a purpose. And you read through this and it says here in verse 9, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in weakness. For gladly, therefore, and this is Paul, for gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content. Wow. With weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecution, with difficulties for Christ's sake. I think that's important, right? We want to go through that stuff for Christ's sake, not because we're doing stupid things, right? But when I am weak, then I am strong. And so Paul talks about the power of God dwelling in him in seasons that he's going through. And you know, personally, not as personally, like even for us, you know, as a mission, you know, there's been a season that we have gone through. And for me personally, it's been quite a hard season. Because I read this and it talks about weaknesses. And there's definitely been weaknesses. Yeah, tiredness, weakness, because of, I would say, sleep that wasn't as well as it could have been. And it was a different one because, you know, I've got kids and sometimes you don't sleep because you have kids, right? But this was different. It was a different weakness. It had to do with actual pain related to some of the stuff that was going on in the media. And, uh, and there were insults, even for me personally. Now, it's never nice to read things about yourself, right? That, you know, gosh, am I like that? Am I like that? Like, is this me? Maybe it is, right? It's like you start second-guessing yourself. You start doubting things. Um, you know, you look at distresses. 
Man, distress is a real part of life. When I read the story of David, love David, right? So relatable. Why are you so downcast? It's like, really again? It's like, but put your hope in God. You get hope again, isn't it? Through the power of the Spirit. Persecution. Difficulties. For Christ's sake, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. You know, when we look at difficulties and painful moments, and for me, for the last couple of months, really what God has been saying to me, the word that's been coming through is, Ari, decrease (laughs) so that I can increase. Okay. It's not always what you want to hear. It's, Ari, I love you. I care for you. Ah, you know, my love is upon you, and that's all true. But God was speaking to me. So, Ari, decrease so that I can increase. I asked God not too long ago. I said, God, what are you saying? He said, Ari, die. You need to die. Not physically, right, but death to self. You know, God works differently with different people. uh, But often with me, he, he talks to me about making room. But in this season, it was so clear. Ari, you need to make room. Not my way. His way. Not my ability. His ability. Not my power. His power. Not my strength. His strength. And I'll be quite honest, you know, over this last season, there were times that I was like, oh, don't really want to do this today. No. Feeling quite weak. Feeling vulnerable. You know, read an email where people write things about you, A, that you sometimes know are not true, but they're out there, and they're not just sent to me, right? It's not like a personal email to me. It's like I share it with these people as well, and and you can't defend yourself, right? It's like it often had to do with, you know, confidential circumstances, and you're like, oh, you know, I was talking to a good friend of mine, part of our leadership, and every now and then, man, I was wake up in the morning and say, I don't want to do this. You know, you get tempted to say, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> but then I read Paul. <coughs> this is awesome. This is high delight. High delight in these times. Oh, I'm well content. And I'm trying to say, it. oh, well content. Well con-. You're feeling it, right? But this is the issue where what does God want? He wants us to what? Come to a place that, hey, God does lead us through seasons. He does allow things to take place. And he leads us in seasons where I think we feel extremely weak. And I've learned over the years that those weak seasons are not times to make big decisions. Oh, maybe I'm in the wrong place. Maybe I should do something else. Because it's easy to hear God say yes when it is difficult. Sometimes what we really need to learn in difficult seasons is learn what it means to stay. And depend on the power of God, the power of the Spirit, to enable us. Did I feel weak even when I did that? Yeah, at times. Was there still discouragement? Yes, there was. But you know what? God comes and he empowers us to be able to do what he calls us to do. He empowers us internally to be able to stand when you feel like I don't want to stand. Here the Spirit makes us strong. The Holy Spirit comes in power and makes us strong. It gives us what we don't thought we had. I don't want to go. I don't feel like being, doing, being a part of this meeting, reading this particular thing. 
But you know what? God comes and empowers us. And he does that so well. Much better than me doing something in my own power. And I think it's for us to realize, right? When we try to do it in our power, it doesn't tend to work out very well. It actually, it comes to a halt. And I think God does that in his mercy and in his grace. He lets it come to a screeching halt. Because if we don't, and if we don't allow him to come and empower us, it's going to come to a catastrophic halt, right? Yeah. It falls apart. And now the beauty of it is he's still going to be there when that happens. But re look at Jesus in the garden, talks to his disciples, right? Jesus is praying, please keep watch for an hour. Pray for an hour. Sure, we can do this. James, John, and Peter, the inner circle. <laughs> Here's Jesus' inner circle. And what happens after five minutes? Jesus comes in after an hour. You guys good? Have you ever had that? Oh, yeah, 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 we're good, we're good. good. <laughs> oh, it's been an hour. <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't know that. I said, uh, please, you know, keep watch. And what does he say? The flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing, able. There's power there that God wants us to take a hold of. See, 2 Corinthians 9, or 12. It's perfected. Power is perfected in weakness. And where does it start? It's acknowledging, isn't it? I'm weak. Actually, I have a need. Because I think for as long as we don't do that, it's very hard for us to be able to be helped. Have you ever done this when somebody asks you, how are you doing? Yeah, good. So good, so good, good, I'm good. Yeah, thanks. We're actually inside. <laughs> yeah, it's not so good. I always have to be careful for this. But actually, where does the help lie when we say it's not so good? This is how I actually came to the Lord on my discipleship training school. The speaker of that week, I was sitting up front. He looks at me and said, Ari, how are you doing? And for my whole life, adult life especially, I had said, I am doing good. And so that's what I said. And he looks at me and he's like, so what's wrong? And I was like, oh, he must have not heard me properly. But I think he did hear me properly. But I think he also heard from God properly. So what's wrong? And I wanted to speak and I couldn't speak. Right? I was just dumbfounded. I wanted to say that I was doing fine. I thought he probably didn't hear me properly. I'm just going to say it again, but I couldn't speak. These words were stuck in my chest. And I remember looking at him, but that became really painful. And I started to feel emotional. And then this incredible sensation was taking place, like, like water started forming in my eyes. I was like, what's that? What's that? Because I'd been strong. And guys, I used to pride myself as a pre-believer and even as a believer initially, and sometimes still, that I'm strong. I can keep going. Ari doesn't need any sleep is a rumor in youth with a mission. Well, that's untrue, right? But there's this aspect, I'm just going to be strong. And I got found out by God himself. And I looked at this guy and I knew looking any longer is going to cause major tears. <laughs> so I'm going to just look down. But it didn't help the, the process. Like I started crying because I realized for the first time, man, I'm not strong. I'm struggling with pain, rejection. There's all sorts of stuff going on in my life. I actually wanted to leave my discipleship training school that day. Whole process going on. And then I started crying and then I started heaving. I'm talking, I'd not cried like that. The pain that I'd carried in my system for so long. 
And what I said to God, I said, God, I surrender. And God, I, I, I can almost see God, right? Yes, that's all I need. That's what I need. I need you to surrender. Just acknowledge, just acknowledge that you need help. Just acknowledge that you are weak. You know, and it could be in areas of work, areas of calling. We could carry weakness physically. We could carry weakness in family, pain, circumstances where God, the power of God wants to come in. We could carry weakness in marriage, raising children, whatever it is. You know, our children might not all walk with the Lord. We carry pain. But God wants to come in and strengthen us. He wants to come in and encourage us. Because to me, they go together. It's very hard to be very effective out there, isn't it? If we don't let God being effective in here. <laughs> what do you have to give if there's nothing in here? But he comes and strengthens us and that strength oozes out of us. And I just felt as I was praying for the church, Sun Life, and for me to come and speak, I just felt God highlighted that scripture. It's a personal process where there's been pain and difficulty, but I feel God wants to come and strengthen people in this season, whatever season you're going through. And I don't know your season. That's the beauty of being a guest speaker, isn't it? You have no clue what's going on. Just feel God is saying he wants to strengthen individuals. He wants to come alongside by his Holy Spirit, come and strengthen you. Where? In the inner man. In the inner man. He wants to empower you. He wants to empower you internally and he wants to empower through you. And so, what I feel to do, if this in any way, shape or form is speaking to you, if you feel, yeah, that's me, I need to be empowered, feeling a bit weak, feeling discouraged, really need God come, to come and move in power in my journey and what I'm facing and what I'm going through. I would like you to stand, if that's you. Yeah, if that's you, if you need God to come and strengthen you, and I'm standing too, I'm standing too. If you need God to come and strengthen you, if you need breakthrough, Spirit of God coming in power, I want to encourage you to stand. And also, if you feel like, gosh, I feel pretty strong, but this empowering thing through me, whew, I can grow in that. I can grow in God empowering me to actually shine His light and shine His glory around me. Because it has never just been for you. It's always been for everybody else. And I think about the church. Why does the church exist? It's, I think, the only organization that exists for its non-members. The church will have a job for as long. There's people out there that don't know the goodness of God. And God wants to come and empower us. And maybe what we can do, we're standing. Can I even ask you to come to the front? Because what does it do? I'm acknowledging. I'm acknowledging I need help. I need God to move in power in my journey. But if that's you, I don't want to embarrass you. It's like I'm standing with you. I need God to come in my journey too. So I encourage you to come forward. I encourage you to come forward. If you need God to come and strengthen you in the inner man, if there's aspects of need, weakness, oh. if you're feeling at the end of yourself, and guys, you can feel it inside. 
It's the Spirit of God saying, yeah, you go, you go. If you feel God is pulling, respond. Let's come forward, let's come in a bit so there's a couple more people. What I want to do, I want to pray. And Pastor Ben, if you have anything that you want to share, by all means, share.